What a great song and well done. Notice, if you will, in our text passage, Matthew chapter 18. I was sitting there thinking, when I first started preaching, 30 minutes seemed like a long time. And I thought, boy, to preach 30 minutes long, that's, that's, that's a lot of work. My mind has changed over 30-some years. Now I'm trying to keep the sermon within that 30 minutes, and 30 minutes not much time. And, uh, but notice, if you will, verse number 10, take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. I'm going to preach this morning on the subject, the value of one. Chapter 18 is a response to a question that is asked of the disciples. If you'll notice in verse number 1, at the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Maybe they wanted to know, who is it that's given up the most to serve you? Who is it that puts the most hours in in serving you? Who is it that has the greatest influence? Jesus, we would like to know who is the greatest that serves you. Here was his response. And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said verily I say unto you except you be converted and become as little children you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven the value of one child heavenly father help me as I preach today I pray that we would all get the truth the emphasis Lord that you love everyone you love every one. Everyone, not just as a whole, but everyone as an individual. There's not a person in this room you love any more than the other, and there's not a person in this room that you do not love. In fact, you tell us that the least you love as much as any. That's wonderful for my heart to hear. But yet, Lord, it gives to us a responsibility to realize you love those that are not only here in Sunday school and church today. You love everyone, even those who are yet to hear of your love. Speak to our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to notice in verse number 2, Jesus called a little child. He did not call a group. He did not call two or three or four. He brought one child and set him in the midst of the disciples. Notice, if you will, in verse number six. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones. Notice, if you will, in verse number 12. Verse number 12. How think ye if a man have an hundred sheep and lose one of them, and one of them be gone astray. The emphasis of one. Look at verse number 14. Even so it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. I'm glad I grew up where I did and how I did. I did not grow up poor, but I grew up simple. In fact, I thought everybody lived like we lived, but everything we had had value. I used to say we, we never wasted anything. Any food that was left over, we fed to the hogs. 
when the hogs got big enough, we ate the hogs. Never wasted anything. Everything we had, not only we knew how many of them, most of them had a name. In fact, the runt pig always, the runt of the litter always got a name. And, uh, and, and, and we knew the value of one thing. Another thing about growing up in Appalachia was that we knew most everyone around. Anytime you'd visit someone and to invite them to church, here typically you knock on a door and you say, or I say, I'm Pastor Fugit from Clay's Mill Baptist Church. I'm out inviting people to church today. Love to have you come visit with us sometime. And the answer is, oftentimes, we'll do that sometime. Thanks for stopping by. End of conversation. Now, in the mountains, when you say, I'm Pastor Fugit, I'm visiting from the church, we're inviting folks to church, we'd love for you to come sometime, they would say. Now, whose boy are you? And I'd tell them. Now, who are, who are your grandparents? And I'd tell them. And, and I learned my family tree from visiting because they didn't care why you were there, what you were asking. They wanted to make sure they knew everybody in the family. That's how I grew up. You knew everyone. And uh, if uh, there were two or three that had the same name, uh, they'd give them a nickname. It wouldn't just be Earl. It'd be Earl Blue. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, or Little James, or Big James. Everybody knew everyone. So I grew up understanding the value of just one thing. May I say the Lord Jesus, though there are alive today in our world 7.8 billion people, every one is important to God. Every person Jesus has interest in. In fact, the Bible says there is rejoicing in heaven. Now think of heaven. Think of all those that have died during time since God created man in the Garden of Eden and those that have lived and died and knew salvation in Christ and they're in heaven, the multitudes. And the multitudes, the Bible says that when one, not 10 or 15 or 20, but if just one sinner repents on the earth that there is rejoicing in heaven. So this is not just a statement, God loves every person. Oftentimes when we see the statement, God loves everyone, we look at the crowd and say, this is everyone. But no, he loves everyone. He loves you. The biggest lie of the devil is to say, God doesn't care about you. God doesn't love you. And he will try to take something of a trial or a difficulty in your life and use that to say to you, God doesn't love you. That is not true. God loves everyone. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. There's a story in this chapter here in verse number 12 uh, that illustrates the value of one person. And the Lord Jesus tells of a shepherd that has a hundred sheep. And one of the lambs is missing. 
the Bible tells us and there are other descriptions in the other gospels that tell us that the shepherd does not disregard the loss and say, well, we still have 99 left, but he shows value in the one person by saying the shepherd leaves the 99 in the fold secure and he goes out and in one place it says the shepherd went into the mountain In another place it says that he went until he found it. Now I relate to that as well because uh, we never did have cows, but we always had a cow and they'd always get lost and they always go to the deepest part of the valley or the highest part of the mountain. That's not an easy task looking for an animal that's lost in the mountain, but the Bible said the shepherd secured the 99 in the fold and he went out until he found the one and he brought it back. I'm saying this morning that God cares not only about everyone in our world, he cares about every single child. And in this month I want to and in this message I want to call our attention not only to the fact that our God in heaven cares about everyone but that you and I should not only care, we should share in the responsibility to be sure that every child hears the wonderful news, God loves you. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter your home situation. It doesn't matter if you live in a home with your parents, if you live in a foster home, if you live in a child care or whatever the case may be. God loves you all the same and he gave his son to die for you as much as anybody you think may be important. When I became the pastor here at Claysmill Baptist Church in 1991, our church was operating one bus that would pick up boys and girls and bring them to church. Now, as I understand uh, the mandate to the local church, the Bible says that everybody ought to hear the gospel. It's not my job just to gather a few people and tell them to pay their tithes and give their offerings so I can have a full-time job and golf on Tuesday and Friday and rest on Saturday and preach on Sunday. But my job is to make sure everybody in town hears the gospel of Christ that God loves them. And so I set out to reach especially those that did not have an opportunity to come to church. And as you know, as I worked in the bus ministry in those early days, and uh, we started a second bus route, and then a third bus route, and a fourth bus route, and now for these nearly 30 years, nearly 29 years, uh, we've been running buses and increasing bus routes, not for the sake of a number of buses, but for the sake of every child hearing that God loves them. And now every week for some time, 26 buses in addition to the vans as they went out this morning and will go out today and they'll tell the wonderful news and the greatest statement that anybody ever heard, God loves you. And he does love every child. He loves every boy. He loves every girl. And I'm thankful to serve a church that is given multiplied thousands of dollars in our our building. And it wasn't designed to be fancy. It wasn't designed for that. Because I wouldn't waste a nickel on something that would be fancy and impressive. I want things to be neat and clean and painted. I want them to, to, to be nice. I don't want to waste any money to try to impress someone that doesn't care 
care. What I want to do is fulfill the Great Commission and tell every child, every boy and girl, every teenager and man and woman that God loves them. It's interesting the emphasis God puts on one. In Luke chapter 15, we have the story of a woman. The Bible tells us the story. She had uh, uh, ten coins, but she lost one of the coins. Uh, and the Bible tells us she swept her house and she looked until she found it. And when she found it, she called her friends to tell them that she had found it. And they celebrated. And we today, though we've had the privilege to see a multitude, hundreds and thousands of children to bow their head and trust. Christ his Savior there still ought to be rejoicing when every child a single child one child whether he be uh, from any part of town or towns around we ought to rejoice that that one child has come to know Christ his Savior the Bible tells us the story of a man that had two sons. One had left home and gone into the far country and he wasted his substance on riotous living. But the father, he waited for the son and he watched for the son to return and he prepared for the day that the boy would return. And when he came, the Bible said he saw him a great way off and he ran and he fell on his neck and kissed him and he rejoiced. This my son was lost but now he's found. And when we sing amazing grace it shouldn't be just a nostalgic that we sing uh, that God would save us but it ought to mean something to us and every boy and every girl that gets saved it's because of the amazing grace of God I repeat a statement I've made many times since becoming the pastor here 29 years ago I did not come to Lexington to build a big church but I came to reach every person I could for Christ. It's amazing how many folks we've had the privilege to see, to see saved. Our church has grown. We've started 45 churches in addition to our church. And I rejoice that this morning the gospel is being preached in towns across our state and in other places. And they're telling the same good news, Jesus loves you sometimes as we look at the world and our mandate to get the gospel to every creature it's a tad overwhelming but when you look at the instruction to see the value of one that's how you reach the world one at a time you know some of the greatest men of God will reach for Christ as a child most here today have probably heard the name the Moody Institute in Chicago. The Moody Institute is known around the world today, but it was founded by a man who cared for the little children of Chicago and specifically the poor children. In fact, they called him Crazy Moody. Because he didn't just invite them to come. He'd go into the house on a Sunday morning. He'd go in. He'd get the kids ready for Sunday school. They would say, I don't want to go. He would tell them, I didn't ask you to go. You have to go today. He would get them ready. He would get them something to eat. And he started bringing them. He brought them by the hundreds and then by the thousands to hear the word of God taught because he believed that God loved every child. 
they said to Mr. Moody one day, uh, they said, that, Mr. Moody, you bring so many of these here and you don't teach or preach. You ought to teach on a Sunday. You ought to teach the children. And so he did. He, he taught a lesson or preached a sermon one Sunday. They said it was so poor that they said, you keep bringing them and we'll teach them. But Moody, D.L. Moody, became a great preacher and a great evangelist not because of education or not because of natural talent. Moody became a great preacher of the gospel because he cared about one little child and he cared about every child, especially the poor, that they came to hear about Christ. In fact, one of the strongest statements in all the Bible that the Lord Jesus ever made is found in this passage of Scripture. I want you to notice what the Bible says in verse number 7. Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must, it must needs be that offenses come, but woe be to that man by whom the offense cometh. And then I want you to notice what the Bible says. I wonder if 30 minutes bothers me. I lose my place and waste time. But the Bible says in verse 6, But whoso shall offend one of these little ones, notice this, which believe in me. Now this is the lovely Lord Jesus speaking. It were better for him that a millstone. You know what a millstone is? It is a rock so heavy it's used to crush grain. It's better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. That's what Jesus said. That's pretty strong stuff right there. I'm sure it'd make the snowflakes mad if there was any there to hear it. That's what Jesus said. Jesus was strong about loving the children. By the way, the reason I oppose expansion or promotion of any gambling is because this right here, Jesus said, you better not offend or you better not cause a child to stumble. The reason I, uh, the, the, the reason I uh, oppose the, uh, the advertisements of the alcohol and the marijuana and all the things that would cause a child or a young person to stumble and fall is because Jesus said it would be better for him. A millstone were tied about his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea that you would fend. Not a city, not a town, not a crowd, not a group, not a few, but one. Just one little one. That's what Jesus said. I've noticed a change in Baptist churches of our generation from the 1970s and 80s. Our generation today, and I, I speak to preachers every week. There are 25 pastors in the conference where I taught this week. This coming week, there'll be as many as 100 pastors that will attend the conference in North Carolina where I'll speak this week. And you, you, you don't want to hear pastors talk about today. They're talking about who they're reaching as far as influential in helping the church financially. And I understand that bills have to be paid. I understand this building wasn't built uh, uh, on a welfare program. God's people gave to this. 
But I want to tell you something. There's something changed uh, since the 70s and the 80s today. I remember in the days when every church was focused on reaching children. And it was a day that it was by faith. And may I say, it ought to be true today that the church is still after. I mean, they're still after reaching the boys and girls for Jesus. Doesn't matter what they can give and what they can't give. The Bible says that the Heavenly Father watches those. And He watches those that love them and care for them. He watches those that would offend them. And I've watched God uh, uh, day after day and month after month and year after year provide and help us to be able to do the work God's given us to do. A few weeks ago, before I was to fly out to a meeting, my son John, he texted me, he said, Dad, have you left yet? I said, I haven't. He said, I have an offering I want to give you before you leave today. And John came to my office. I could tell he'd been crying. I said, John, what's wrong? He said, nothing's wrong. I just want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story about a family that my wife and I led to Christ, and they've been riding the bus. In fact, he said, I told them, instead of riding the bus in the afternoon, you ought to come to the morning service and hear my dad preach. And they said, no, we'd rather hear you, Pastor John, as to hear him. <laughs> now, I didn't think it was funny myself. In fact, I wasn't at all impressed by that. But he said, Dad, they come every week. And he said, last Sunday, when they got off the bus, the, the, the mother asked me to step off the bus. And he said, John, I don't have much to give, but I want to give an offering to the church. Thank you for running the bus and bringing us to Sunday school and to church. And she emptied her change purse in her hand, and she put five pennies five single pennies in her hand and she walked away John reached his hand in his pocket and he, he brought it out he said daddy it's not ten thousand dollars but it's everything she had and I wanted you to know how much it meant to me and how much it meant to her and we shouted and we rejoiced and I said now John let me tell you a story I've been in the office since early this morning and I've been opening mail this morning and I opened a note that a lady gave me just a few days ago and I said in that envelope was a note that said pastor thank you for loving my husband and for caring for him and she said he left this money for the church and I put beside that five pennies a check for ten thousand dollars for you see God always takes care of a church when you reach children and young people I think of our Spanish ministry today. We have a Spanish ministry here that will have about 140 to 170 people. We started another Spanish church in Georgetown where I preached just a couple of weeks ago. Moises uh, Urbina and his wife, Avelia. Avelia grew up here in our church. She was reached through the bus ministry as a little girl. She came to our school and graduated from our college, and they have about 100 now in their Spanish church in Georgetown. 250 Spanish folk come to our Spanish ministry. And our Spanish ministry was started by a man named Rolando Ayala. Rolando grew up in Puerto Rico. And uh, he told the story when he was a boy. He said, I lived in a poor housing project. And there was a lady that would come on Saturday and say, 
would you boys and girls walk with me to Sunday school tomorrow? And he said, we didn't have a van to ride or a bus to ride, but she would come on Sunday morning and she would say, now let's walk to Sunday school in church. And he said, I don't remember how far it was, a mile or two or three that we walked. And he said, preacher, I wasn't a very good boy. He said, I, 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 sometimes I got in trouble for uh, picking on other kids and not doing what I was told. But he said, I never thought she would always say, now, Rolando, Jesus loves you. He said, I never got saved as a boy. He said, later I joined the United States Army. After I served in the Army, I moved to America. And one day at home, a lady knocked on our door and said, here in Lexington, we drive a bus here in this area, and we pick up boys and girls, and we take them to Sunday school. Would you let your children ride with us? And so they said, sure, they can ride. Those two little boys got saved. Two Sundays later, Mom and Dad said, we want to find out what's going on at church. And so Mom and Dad came, and I remember Brother Tyra led Brother Rolando Ayala to Christ. One Sunday I said, folks, we're supposed to be winning everybody to Christ. We've got more and more Spanish folk here. I can't speak Spanish. I can't hardly order at Taco Bell. Uh, and and, and I, we need to help. And I need somebody to speak Spanish to help me. I'll never forget when Rolando Ayala walked down the aisle in the old church. And he said, preacher, I'm not a preacher. But I do know how to tell people to get saved. And he started the Spanish ministry. Listen to me, three Sunday nights ago, I met with a young man. He's graduating from our college in May. He's a Spanish boy. He was saved through our church, our Spanish church. He goes to church there. He's graduating from our college. He was born in America. His parents were born in Mexico. And I said to him, what are you going to do when you graduate? He said, preacher, I want to go back to my hometown in Mexico where my parents lived. I've never been there. And he said, when I go, I can't ever come back to America. But I want to tell the Spanish boys and girls in my town that have never heard that Jesus loves them like Jesus loves me. Do you see what it says? Take heed that you despise. That means to ignore not one of these little ones. I don't know how many funerals I preach to children. I don't know how many times word has come that a child, a teenager, has lost their life in some type of tragedy. Several times this past year and twice already this year. And you know what they want to know? They call our church and say, they rode the bus and came to your church. You know what they want to know? Did they ever ask Jesus to save them and get baptized? There'll be a funeral tomorrow of a lady 36 years old. The family called and said she came to your church when she was a little girl. We looked at our records and at age 11, she trusted Christ as her Savior and followed the Lord in believers' baptism and, and the funeral tomorrow. The most comforting thing that will be said is not how many friends she had, where she worked, or what she accomplished. Oh, that is important. The most comforting thing will be said was that she received Christ as her personal Savior. Can I tell you, there's no greater joy. There's no greater joy than to see a child 
trust Christ as Savior. I got so much more to preach. I want to tell you this story. Last July, I was preaching vacation Bible school. And uh, Thursday was the last day of vacation Bible school. And on Tuesday, I got a call from the governor's office that the president would be visiting. And um, they had asked me to attend a meeting on that Thursday. And I looked at my schedule to see if I could go, and it said vacation Bible school. I was supposed to preach, and I thought, we've got a lot of young men that can preach vacation Bible school. It'd be all right if I just have one of them to preach. But it bothered me a bit to think about doing that. I couldn't sleep that night. And the Holy Spirit said, now, if you was preaching in a big conference, you wouldn't cancel. And I called the next morning, and I told him in the governor's office, I can't come on Thursday. I have a prior commitment to preach. And I preached vacation Bible school on Thursday this past July. And I told the young people from this very chapter, the disciples said, who's the most important in the kingdom of heaven? And I brought one little boy up, and I set him on the platform. I said, you may not guess this, but Jesus didn't pick one of the disciples. He didn't pick a preacher. He picked one little child. And he said, nobody's more important than that little child. And Jesus pronounced one of the worst curses in all the Bible for anybody that would offend them. I preached, and I told them that Jesus loved them, and he died to pay for their sin. If they'd trust him with a childlike faith, he'd give to them eternal life. When I gave the invitation, I'll never forget Hannah Cruz. Is Hannah here this morning? I see the Cruz family. Hannah's right back there. Wave at me, Hannah. She's right back there. She started walking down that aisle, and by the time she got to me, she had big tears on those big brown cheeks. And I said, Hannah, why are you coming today? Preacher, I want to get saved. And I'd rather see a child trust Christ as Savior is meet with anybody in the whole world. And the Holy Spirit said to me, isn't that worth more than meeting somebody important? Can I tell you something? Jesus loves every child. By the way, I got another opportunity to greet the president when I did. He asked me to get in the car and ride with him. God blessed me. And I'm going to tell you why God blesses a church a people, if we'll love what Jesus loved, if we'll care about what Jesus cared about, God will take care of what you need. Stand with me this morning. I'll finish this sermon later on. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would renew the desire of our heart today to see our world as you see it with a perfect 2020 vision. Help us to see children as you see them. Sometimes, Lord, I see children running in church and I think they shouldn't do that. And then I think, then I think Lord, the only thing worse than children running in church is not to have any children running in church. 
God, help us. Help our buses as they travel today to bring hundreds of boys and girls to know that there's no work greater or dearer to the heart of our Savior than to love a child. Bless our invitation today. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you ought to trust Christ as your Savior today. Whether you're a child, teenager, man or woman, you've never trusted him. There's this decision you ought to make. You ought to make it this morning as he sings on the invitation song.